Hello, leader. Is it you? Are you the leader that we need to move toward a more hope-filled future? I'm Terry Schmidt, your podcast host, and I'm pretty sure it is you. As we wrap up our journey to 100 episodes, let's review where we've been so that I can tell you why I think it is you. My goals in starting this podcast were first to convince you if you didn't already believe it, that you are a leader. Hopefully, through the early episodes and experiences that you've had since then, that goal has been achieved. The second goal was to ground you in clarity about your unique strengths and values that have shaped your leadership. And through the conversations that we had with many guest experts to help you grow confidence in your skills to step out and lead others effectively. And finally, third, My goal was to help you connect and use those leadership skills for the good of others. If you've been with us through all of the episodes, you've been through our leadership development model of ground, grow, and give, giving you the clarity, confidence, and connection to be the leader that we need. But as a final check to see if you are the leader that we need, may I start off with a few questions for you? First, do you have an insatiable hunger to make a positive difference in the lives of others through the way that you lead? Second, thinking about your team, do you crave experiences that help them to develop into leaders themselves? And third, do you know that being a mom gives you hundreds of moments each day to practice and hone the leadership skills that are needed most in today's society? If you answered yes, then I'd say, it is you. You are the leader we need, and you're in the right place. You see, the type of leadership that is getting the most press lately is not what we need to carry us to a positive future. Leadership is not self-promotion. Making fun of those who disagree with you and driving for power by any means necessary. That is not what is going to get us to the future that we want for ourselves and for our kids. The style of leadership that will endure is one that we as moms know well. It is one that uses influence to help others develop into the best version of themselves. One that sets clear direction, provides hope, and leads to the flourishing of individuals, organizations, and communities. There are many experts who promote this type of leadership. In fact, even the bedtime stories that we read to our kids And many of the movies that we like to go watch promote this kind of leadership. It is one of the most difficult, but I believe the most fruitful way to lead. And the leadership theory that I've found that comes closest to describing it is servant leadership. Did you know that as a mom, you're a servant leader? No, that doesn't mean that you let your team or your kids make all the decisions And you just run around making sure they have everything they need at all times. And no, it doesn't mean that you sacrifice your own well-being to make sure everyone else is okay. So what does it mean? Well, when Robert Greenleaf introduced the term servant leadership way back in the 1970s, it might have been just the name that made it make a splash in the business community. After all, it was a seeming juxtaposition of opposite words. It surprised many, just like a clickbaity headline does these days. But here's the definition from Greenleaf himself. Servant leadership is a philosophy and a set of practices that enriches the lives of individuals, 
builds better organizations, and ultimately creates a more caring world. Can you get on board with that? I know I can. To enrich lives. To build better organizations. To create a more just and caring world. Sounds good to me. The path to each of those start with identifying what our followers really need today. And so let's start there. That's the purpose of the next two episodes, to answer four questions. First, what do those you lead need from you in today's times? Second, what does it mean to be a servant leader in order to meet those needs? And third, how do experiences you have each day shape you into being that kind of leader? Does that sound good? Let's get to it then. And be sure you stick around as I'll finally be sharing the excited changes for this podcast at the end of this episode. So let's start with the first question. What do your followers need most from you? Luckily, Gallup has an answer. They interviewed 10,000 people in, quote, follower roles to discover the answer to this. And although their answers aren't rocket science, it's great to have the research to back it up and the associated research about the positive impact it can have on measures such as employee engagement, retention, and productivity. So drumroll, please. What your followers need most from you are trust, stability, compassion, and hope. So let's start with trust. According to Gallup, this includes honesty, clarity, and behavioral predictability. This starts with knowing who you are, or as we like to say, grounding yourself in your strengths and values, or what is called awareness in Greenleaf's 10 Principles of Servant Leadership. It continues on with the simple to say and harder to do value of integrity. Remember our conversation about integrity from episode six? Here's a refresher. When I talk about integrity, I'm not using it as a synonym for honesty. For our purpose, we're going to keep it simple with one question. Do you do what you say you're going to do? So let's start with you, and then we'll work outward to your family and community. Do you keep the promises you make to yourself? The thing is, if you don't, not only will it affect your self-confidence, but if you don't trust yourself, it's pretty difficult for others to trust you. So you, at this stage, have grounded your leadership. You know what your values are, you have a vision for who you want to be as a leader, and have thought about the habits that will get you closer to that vision. So when I ask you about if you're keeping the promises that you make to yourself, think about how you've been doing with the habits you need to keep. I love James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, and I love the way that he puts it in that book, saying that each choice you make is either a vote for the person you want to become or a vote against. The good thing is that you only need a majority vote. Going back to Covey's book, the one section that sticks with me was from his section on integrity and self-trust. He talks about how during a really busy time in his career, he would continue to set his alarm clock to get up early in the morning to exercise, even though he had been up late working the night before. When the alarm went off in the morning, he would justify that he needed the sleep more than the exercise, and he would turn the alarm off and roll over. After a while, he realized that this action was hurting his confidence in himself, so he decided that instead of making the decision when the alarm went off, he would make the decision the night before. If he felt like he could get up in the morning, he would set the alarm, and when it went off, 
he would get up. On the other hand, if he felt like he needed more sleep, he wouldn't set the alarm for that early time. That simple change rebuilt his self-confidence. Have you had a similar experience? I know I have. I feel cruddy when I don't keep my commitments to myself. That's one reason that I'm working on moving away from to-do lists and toward focusing on my three big priorities for the day. It's also another reason that I like to have a training plan to follow and a race to work toward. Finally, it's the reason that I continually work toward speaking out about and living my values instead of worrying so much about what others think. I hope that those three actions will help me to have a stronger sense of trust in myself and further increase my self-confidence. Do you have some similar actions? So moving out from integrity with yourself, let's talk about your family next. Remember, our question is, do you do what you say you are going to do? Do you think that this has an impact on how effectively you can lead your kids? Yes, it definitely does. The best parenting advice I ever got was from my dad, and he hammered it home by repeating it more times than I can remember. My dad, whose name was Bob, had many Bob-isms. His desired parking spot at church was a get-you-go spot, one that you could easily exit from the parking lot. We were allowed to stop on road trips at exits that were what he called easy on, easy off. And when it came to parenting, he said multiple times, Terry, it's all about consistency and follow through. And boy, was he right. My husband and I have tried to set rules that we know we can stick with and consequences that we know we will deliver. But there have been times, more than I'd like to admit, that I've bent the rules. I've said no and then changed my mind just to stop the whining. And boy, did I suffer for that later. Do you know what I mean? The next several times I said no, I heard triple the whining, since my no didn't mean no the last time. The consistency and follow-through, even though it's sometimes painful in the moment, gives the kids a sense of safety and helps them trust you as a leader. I guess my dad did know what he was talking about. Finally, let's talk about leading at work or in the community. Do you do what you say you're going to do? When you set a meeting for a certain time, are you there on time? When you assign projects and commit to time and resources, do you follow through? Or, if you can't, do you explain why you've changed the plan? At both work and in the community, people follow you because they believe in what's important to you. But that will only go so far. If you do what you say you're going to do, the trust that is built directly affects the culture of the team and improves performance. And how about our episode with Lauren Kramer when she talked about building trust quickly during uncertain times? You talked a little bit about, you know, the challenge of building trust quickly in a time of uncertainty, extremely challenging, I can imagine. How were you able to get through that? And did you discover any techniques that tended to work with that? I think the biggest thing for that was about being authentic. So the being able to admit when I didn't have the answer was, was really big. And 
and not just trying to make something up because it was more comfortable or I thought that's what they needed to hear. Being able to to say, you know, we, we're not really sure about how this is going to go, but we'll keep you updated. Communicating frequently was huge. Things were changing on such a dramatic scale that we were meeting almost daily to talk about the, the state of, of what's going on, what the expectations are. So I think being able to communicate clearly and effectively was really important in building the trust and also just listening, mm -hmm. listening to the concerns because oftentimes it wasn't just about work. It was also about other things. Like if we're going back into the office, how I'm going to make sure that my kids are able to attend school remotely still or concerns around being able to visit friends and family when it's important to them. And there was just a lot of just listening and being able to communicate authentically, I think was really mm -hmm. important. So there you have it. Behavioral predictability through integrity. Do your followers know that you're going to do what you said you were going to do? Clarity and honesty through frequent and authentic communication. How well are you doing on those today? Where do you have opportunities, both big and small, to practice these, whether with your team or with your kids? Take a moment and write down one opportunity that you have to keep a commitment or to do what you said you were going to do and to communicate with honesty in a way that helps build trust. Got some ideas down? Okay, let's move on to a very related but different need. Stability. Gallup defines this as creating a space where people feel psychologically safe. In other words, where people feel that they can speak up without risk of punishment or humiliation. This is related to the 10th principle of servant leadership, building community. One of the key components of a psychologically safe community is that people are skilled at giving and receiving difficult feedback, which reminds me of our episode 21, when we were talking about the four C's of handling difficult conversations well. So the first C is comfort. What I mean by that is make sure you are establishing a safe space for the conversation. Now, hopefully... This work has already been done. Hopefully, because you lead as an authentic leader, people feel comfortable coming to you, even when they disagree with you or when you are delivering a tough message to them. It really gets back to how you inspire trust through your leadership. And if you want some tips on working on that, go back and check out episode six when we talked all about inspiring trust in those you lead. Another way that you can help people feel comfortable is making sure that they are very clear about your goals for the conversation up front. The second C is curiosity. In other words, seek first to understand. Ask questions. And this works regardless of if you are having a conversation where you are talking to someone about their performance or you are having a conversation maybe with someone that you don't agree with politically. Ask questions. Be curious. Try to understand their story and contrast it with the story that you've already created in your mind. If you're having a conversation with someone that you disagree with, I really love what Ashley Island says in her book, Humankind. In chapter 22, she says, Politics aside, have we lost our ability to submit to another story? to yield to someone else's perspective, 
even if only temporarily, to try to honor an experience that we didn't live, to surrender our urgency and our expertise and hear a perspective that we've perhaps never cared to welcome? How can you, through your curiosity, the other person's experience? And just put your strong feelings and your experiences and what you view as your expertise on hold for a little bit. I love those words because it really reminds me to be curious and to honor someone else's experience and their story and to put my experiences and what I view as my expertise and how I am right on hold for a little bit to hear about their experiences, their expertise, so that we can come to a place at least of mutual understanding, even if we can't get to a place of mutual agreement. So be curious. The third tip for when you're in deep in a difficult conversation is clarity. Be clear with your points. Now, I know as a conflict avoidant person, this can be really difficult. Sometimes I like to dance around what I'm trying to say. Do you do the same thing? Sometimes we think that we're softening the message by not directly saying what needs to be said. And in reality, that's actually making it worse. So again, we talked about planning the conversations and having clear goals. That's the first step. But it's also about having the courage to speak your truth. And if you, again, want to review some tips for finding that voice and sharing that voice, check out episode nine, where we talked about how to find your voice, even when everyone has a very strong opinion. And the fourth tip for getting through a difficult conversation is continuation. Planning for how you might continue the conversation. So what are your next steps? Again, if we're in a work setting or a a volunteer leadership setting and you're talking about a performance conversation, the next steps might look like what are your performance expectations going forward? What do you expect them to do on specific projects? And how will you check in with them to make sure that they are meeting those expectations? But also how that person can come to you for support. And if your conversation has uncovered any stories that you weren't aware of, how are you going to incorporate what you've learned into how you lead that person in the future? If, on the other hand, you are sitting around the Thanksgiving table and having a difficult conversation about politics, continuation might look like speaking to what you learned and what you appreciated about what the other person said. And not only that, but how the two of you can keep the channels of communication open instead of descending into blame and avoidance and just not talking about that topic. Another way to create stability is through transparency, through respecting our team enough to treat them like business owners, to give them insight into why our decisions are made and where the business is headed. That reminded me of my recent conversation with Shelly Warren. Become that leader who's going to instill in your team that they really need to stop thinking like employees and Mm -hmm. start thinking like business owners. Mm -hmm. Because once they start thinking like business owners, they are going to be adding so much more value to the business, Mm -hmm. which ensures that they are going to be able to have longevity with you. You're going to be able to move through different career paths that you offer ultimately to 
be able to have different experiences and different ownership areas and be able to really drive other results for the business. So, and how we do that is by being more open about what it takes to run a business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's how we get people thinking like business owners is we peel back the curtains and share with them some real numbers and real mm -hmm. percentages so that they have those aha moments where they think, oh my gosh, I had no idea that our Amazon account, <laughs> that that was the bill every month. Yeah, that transparency, I, th I think, as well as treating them like business owners in a sense, yeah. it, getting back mm -hmm. to the beginning of our conversation when you were talking about the freedom and the autonomy yeah. that you had in a lot mm -hmm. of your roles and how that helped grow your leadership. I think if we want people to act like business owners, it's important that they're treated like business owners right. as well. So are you the leader that we need? What is one thing you can do to provide trust today to your team? What is one thing you can do to provide stability? Take a minute and think about something you can work on in each area. And next week, we'll wrap up our 100th episode talking about you as a leader who provides compassion and hope. Okay, so for the exciting news. In reflecting on the first 100 episodes of Moms That Lead and talking with those who listened but aren't moms in the traditional sense, it became clear that the leadership lessons that we are learning each minute of the day in our caretaking roles would benefit so many. As I mentioned in this episode today, so many of the skills that we get an opportunity to practice regularly are key to servant leadership. So we're broadening our audience and changing our name. After episode 100, Moms That Lead will officially become Strong Leaders Serve, with a focus on servant leadership without the burnout. We'll still cover many of the same leadership topics and also have a focus on practical ways to care for our well-being, something that is particularly important for servant leaders. I look forward to having you join us on the journey for inspiration, learning, and growth into the leaders that are going to bring hope and transformation to our workplaces, our families, and our communities. Until next time, lead with love.